And now it's time for the podcast, Sustainable Dad. Duncan here again for Sustainable Dad. And today we're going to have a conversation with an author who has written a book called Less Stuff, Simple Zero Waste Steps to a Joyful and Clutter-Free Life. The reason I want to have this conversation is because I think sometimes we can kick around our house and get uh, overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that we have. The things that we need to look after, the things that we have bought are now the things that we become stewards and caretakers of, and it can get a little bit overwhelming. So how do we get zero waste? How do we get clutter free? What does it look like at home to lower our footprint so that we have less stuff, so we feel a little bit more ease, so we're taking care of less things? Now, this conversation I had with my co-host Sam on our breakfast show on Hope 103.2 It's a great chat. Lindsay is such an inspiration. Her book, seriously, it's fantastic. I've read it. Um, We've got it in our household. Sammy, my co-host, has read it. He loves it a lot. And honestly, seriously, how many times do you have to tread on a piece of Lego or a tiny dinosaur that your child has left lying about? How many times are you picking up toys or watching items rust that you could just get rid of? What does it look like to live a clutter-free life and reduce the amount of things and stuff that you throw in the bin? Well, here are some practical and simple steps with Lindsay Miles. Of course, this appeared first on Hope 103.2, but here it is on Sustainable Dad. Good morning, Lindsay. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure having you on the line. Look, uh, Lindsay, can you tell us a bit about your story and... What exactly put you on the path to living waste-free? Um, I started out and, you know, I was kind of the average person who has a recycling bin and filled it to the top and thought that was what I was meant to be doing and didn't really give waste a second thought. And I saw a poster in the library for a challenge called Plastic Free July. And the challenge was to give up single-use plastic for the month of July. And I thought to myself, oh, you know, that that's going to be easy because, you know, I've already got reusable shopping bags. I'm great at recycling. And then I, you know, went home um, and realized that everything was made of plastic. You know, so everything in my pantry, everything in the bathroom, you know, everything was plastic. And I felt pretty embarrassed because I, I genuinely did think that I was, you know, doing what I could. And, and I suddenly saw all of this opportunity to you know, start making changes, like, you know, things like buying apples loose rather than in a plastic bag or buying, you know, bread not in a plastic bag or buying, you know, olive oil in a glass bottle. You know, just it was all kind of simple swaps that I saw. So that was kind of how I got started. And I guess I started out, I think, with the things that we buy, you know, every day. So groceries, bathroom things, you know, that sort of stuff. And then as I kind of went down the track and I'd sort of got my started making swaps there I started thinking about all of the other stuff that we you know buy and use and consume or don't use that we have in our houses I already see hurdles right now Lindsay help me out I'm going to give (laughs) I'm going to give you common items that I don't know how you replaced them okay toothpaste toothpaste well I started I actually started making my own toothpaste which might sound it's not that hard you mix some stuff in a jar but you can also buy you can buy toothpaste powder so before toothpaste was invented, toothpaste powder was what people used. So powder comes in a jar. It's easy to find that in a glass jar. You can also get tooth tabs, which are kind of like tablets. 
um, I guess like pressed powder, um, which you can use instead of toothpaste. So there's actually quite a few options out there for toothpaste. Okay, well actually, done. And then one more thing, you can find um, older toothpaste, you know, used to be in metal tubes, not plastic tubes. So then the metal is recyclable. I'm not even going to leave. Options. I'm not even going to leave the <laughs> mouth toothbrush or plastic. Um, well, you can get you can get toothbrushes. You can get plastic toothbrushes with just replaceable heads, so you're not replacing the entire thing. Uh, um, but there's also a lot of there's a lot of bamboo toothbrushes. Mm, but I've, when I started, I think there was one. probably a couple. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Really? Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those things that you think it's hard and then someone goes, oh, no, I just do this thing. Or, you know, you see it's something and you go, oh, oh, I could. Oh, okay. So there's lots of solutions. It's just sort of uncovering them, I think. And they're, they're easier to find than you think. Well, what were the, some of the easy, I guess, to encourage those listening right now, what were some of the easy changes you made in shifting to the zero waste living? That's a hard one. Well, because I guess it's sort of you just change things one at a time. So I don't know whether things are kind of hard or easy or um, I guess one of the biggest things was thinking about like dealing with food waste because you know most of the stuff we throw in our bin is pretty much everything we can't recycle right so it's generally single-use plastic packaging and food scraps so once um, I started thinking about you know composting and worm farming and all of that sort of stuff which it took a while to kind of get into the process of setting something up, but once it was set up, it was really easy. But once, you know, if we can deal with our food waste, that's 40% of our landfill bin. So suddenly you're going from, you know, you're literally almost like halving your waste. So that's um, why we got and even, chicken and worms. Yeah, and you don't even need to have your own compost bin or space for a compost bin because there's um, there's a network called Share Waste, which is a free network that you can join where other people have compost bins and they'll say, oh yeah, you can bring your scraps and so you find someone in your neighbourhood. So like it's it's an easy, easily accessible. I think the internet's made a lot of things really easily accessible now. So you can, yeah, you can put your food scraps in someone else's compost bin for free. Um, you don't even need to know how to compost or have space to compost. That's, that's really yeah. great because I was thinking here in Sydney, you know, where, mm. and I know you live in Perth, so many buildings and apartments where you don't often have access to a compost bin. That's fantastic to hear that those networks exist. Yeah, exactly. And then there'll be, you know, there'll be community gardens that have got a whole bank of compost bins, so then they can take, you know, quite a lot of people's waste. So, and there's also private services that exist that will, you know, collect food scraps from your door. And um, I guess sometimes in big apartments, you know, they, they're starting now, I think, to think about how they can potentially collect, you know, 100 or 200 people's um, scraps and maybe have worm farms in the basement or, mm. you know, people people are thinking about these things. Well, Lindsay, you say that um, living waste-free doesn't only impact the environment, but it also impacts your own well-being and relationships. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So I guess um, when I first started um, going plastic-free, you know, I didn't realise, for example, how much junk food I used to buy because... You know, all of the stuff that's in packaging is really the junk. You know, it's all. If you think about, you know, meat, fish, cheese, um, vegetables, breads, all of those kind of things are not overpackaged in plastic. And the more processed something gets, the more it tends to be overpackaged, and the more it's got a, you know, shelf life of 2025. So um, once I started kind of going plastic free and trying to find the um, things that weren't overpackaged, I realised that. I mean, like my diet just became a lot healthier. Not to say that you don't, you can still fight. There's still a lot of chocolate that's, you know, plastic free, so it's all good. Um, but just, I think they're really processed stuff. So I started um, buying, yeah, less of that kind of stuff. And in terms of, um, I think it's about kind of living, living your values. I think 
a lot of us care about the environment and we care about, you know, some of these bigger issues and we want to do something. We're just not really sure what that is. And I think waste is a really good example of something that we can all do. And we all have an opportunity to, to think about and make a change with kind of every day. Whereas some of the biggest stuff, you know, like trying to influence government policy is not something we can um, necessarily succeed at doing every single day. Whereas refusing a plastic packaged thing is something that we can do every day. I think for me as well, like kind of the bigger picture stuff, so kind of getting away from the groceries and the um, the bathroom and all that, when it kind of got to the bigger stuff, like the, the kind of, I guess like not spending my weekends shopping, you know, um, kind of thinking, well, what would I, you know, not spending my weekends uh, like tidying up and all of those kind of things. I kind of just shifted my, the way I feel about stuff, I guess, and realised that the things I'd rather be doing were, you know, going outside, like being in nature, hanging out with friends and family, doing interesting things, having experiences. And, and when you when it's a long weekend and, you know, your friends say, oh, do you want to go, you know, we're going to go on this big hike. And you're, you're saying, oh, I've actually got to, you know, reorganise the cupboards and clear out the garage. It's not, that's not a good use of your time. And I think when, when I sort of realised how much time I was devoting to stuff and, you know, and because stuff, Stuff starts out as things that we want and it ends up being clutter and it ends up needing work to look after and tidy. So kind of just changing my relationship with stuff, I mm. think. I, I find this especially hard with two little kids. Like I, I try to wage a war at home on plastic toys, but no matter how hard I try, grandma gives them one or they go and eat out at a fast <laughs> food restaurant and suddenly they're at home with another one and... You know, and they just clutter up, and I feel like it's this constant uphill battle to try and get to less. And when you start to take those toys away, it's like World War Three, but it's like you haven't played with them for three months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have children, so obviously I'm not going to give you parenting advice because I think the worst thing is when people without children have parenting advice. But um, no, that you've already friends- given me some, so we just get rid of the children, and then we're fine. <laughs> Well, but I've got friends, you know, with children, and obviously it is it is difficult. But I think I think children are starting to kind of learn about issues around plastic, and I've seen quite a few children now kind of understanding. Oh, but plastic hurts the turtles, and you know. So I think we can kind of start having these conversations. I'm not to say that they won't want anything, but I think especially with the pointless stuff, kids seem to really connect with this idea of not using plastic straws because because of the turtles. I think that they can really grasp that kind of cause and effect thing. Um, I've got a friend who she lets her kid have plastic toys, but only from the charity shop. So at least they're not new. Mm. Um, I guess to some extent, kind of keeping kids away from the most, um, I was going to say the most dangerous, but, you know, the mo- because, you know, all of this marketing is designed for children. You know, you go to the supermarket and all of those things that appeal to children are at children's eye level, you know, in the in the stores. You know, they think very carefully about these things. So if you can, you know, avoid taking your children to the the most, um, yeah, like I guess the fast food restaurants that do have, like, because some of them will have those meal toys and some of them won't. So even just trying to think, well, we can still go out and get takeaway, but we'll just avoid the the kind of the worst ones for this kind of problem. And um, and I guess it's like having conversations and trying to explain and um, like trying to get some, I mean, not, I guess, like the bigger concepts can be quite difficult, but some of the kind of simpler ones. I, I know someone else who said when it comes to decluttering, trying to explain to her kid that other children don't have as much as she has and wouldn't it be nice to 
you know, share and be able to give her toys to other children who, you know, maybe were in hospital mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. And, you know, and some kids, some kids will really go for that. And some kids will be like, no, I'm tough. You know, I want my toys. But, <laughs> but you know, we can still try these things. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's the turtles. Maybe it's the children's hospital. Maybe it's the, you know, whatever it is. But um, I guess... And I guess it's also that leading from example thing. Like if, if we're going out and buying a bunch of junk every Saturday and then we say to the kids, oh, but, you know, that's just a, a taddy plastic toy. They're probably looking at you going, yeah, but you bought all that weird, you know, those weird golf accessories. How, how is that different, you know? So mm-hmm. I think we have to kind of, like if we're leading by example and they can understand that we're making these choices and why, I think it's easier. Lindsay, a new book is called uh, Less Stuff, and obviously part of that uh, talks about decluttering, which is all the rage around the world. But I'm trying to work out in my mind, and I guess you touched on a little bit of that already, how is it possible to declutter and not create waste or landfill? Yeah, well, I guess that's kind of the whole the whole goal of my book is sort of talking about that because, you know, I, I am not someone that finds it easy to let go of things because, you know, I hate waste. So mm. I'm more likely to just want to keep everything forever. And it took me a while to realize that me keeping things that I don't use and I don't need and I don't like, that is actually a waste of resources because, you know, making my own wardrobe or cupboards into almost like a personal landfill is, you know, that's not really achieving anything. So, um, but for me, you know, I couldn't throw anything in the bin. And I know that charity shops are overburdened with stuff that, you know, we, we love giving stuff to the charity shops. We don't love buying stuff from the charity shops so much. So they, you know, they only sell about 15% of everything that gets donated. So mm. charity shops are good, but we should be giving them our best stuff, not the stuff that we actually just feel guilty about landfilling. So we think, oh, well, we'll give it to the charity shop. And um, so, you know, I was like, well, there's got to be other solutions. And I don't find, I've never been the kind of person that finds it easy to let go of things. So it was really important to me to, find new ways to get rid of things. So, you know, I, I guess I guess it's that, that saying that we've all heard of one man's trash is another man's treasure. And so I guess the goal is to find find that person who wants what you have. And I think now we've got the internet, it's a lot easier, you know, because um, say online classifieds or online auction sites, you know, you can, you can connect with, not only can you connect with the person in the same street as you or the same suburb, but you can connect with people the other side of the, the country or, you know, even people in other, in other countries. So, you know, there's lots of charities that collect stuff, not to sell, but to either refurbish or just to pass on to, you know, other communities. For example, um, there's some charities, they'll collect old sporting equipment and then they'll take it to, you know, indigenous communities or kind of less, more isolated communities that just don't have access to that stuff. Or there'll be charities that collect computers and electronics and iPhones and uh, tablets and all that kind of stuff, and then they'll pass them on to other communities. So, um, you know, there's lots of ways of finding people who want what we have, and I guess that was kind of what I wanted to try and do with the book, is to give people these options. Because I think people people don't want to chuck stuff in the bin. People want to do the right thing. They just... They've just got no idea. And by the time I think you realise that you need to declutter, it's suddenly become really overwhelming, you know, and then you, you don't know what to do. So just trying to break it down and say, well, look, actually, there's all of these options. You can do this. You can sell stuff. You can donate stuff. You can you know, find charities. You can give it to people in your neighbourhoods. Like when, when you start looking, there's a lot of options. It's just kind of knowing where to start, I think. Mm. I, I kind of, as I hear this and what, what, what everything that you're saying, one, I think it's it's obviously a much more sustainable way of living, um, and that's really important for where we're at globally. But the other thing is, is I actually think it's it's a really good example of a reaction 
in a positive sense to capitalism, right? And capitalism supplies for a demand. And if a demand isn't there because we've re-engineered the way that we live, then they will respond to that by creating products that reduce waste and allow us to keep them for much longer. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's that's kind of the thing. It, it's a much bigger. It's much bigger than just you know. I have something I don't want. You want it. It's, you know. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's stopping people from going to the shops and buying something new because something already exists. It's yep. about people kind of realizing the kinds of things that are made to last and can be regifted and the kind of stuff that are just made to break and then have to end up in landfill. And a lot, some of the things I talk about in the book as well is about choosing better next time because you know like i'm not someone who finds decluttering like ridiculously easy and so i was very clear when i kind of went through my journey that this was one time only this was not going to happen again because i couldn't face having to do it all again so i needed to think about well why why is this why don't i want this anymore and some of it's to do with you know me thinking that i'd look as good as the model in the catalog when i bought the thing but sometimes it's because i bought something and it just wasn't made to last and so thinking well actually like, I don't want to be buying that kind of stuff that's made to break. I want to be buying the stuff that is repairable, that is made to last, that someone else will want. You know, there's certain toys. I'm sure you can think of, you know, when you've got kids, there's certain toys that hold their value. You know, toys that we had as kids that, you know, are still in existence today. And then there's stuff that kind of, you know, lasts for five minutes and ends up in the bin. And so we can, yeah, I think, and I think manufacturers, I think for every manufacturer that deliberately makes stuff to go in the bin, there's people really thinking about, well, how can we make our products last and how can we do things better? And, yeah, I think we can – I think as we declutter, we start to see these things. We sort of realize, oh, these are the things that last. These are the things that don't. These are the kinds of businesses and brands I should support. You know, maybe I don't need to buy everything. The other thing that's great, I think, about when you start giving stuff away or selling stuff or – you know, you realise how much demand there is for second-hand items. Mm. And then you, then the next time you want something, you kind of go, oh, actually, I wonder if that neighbourhood group or, you know, that online classified, maybe they've got what I want. Mm, and, yeah. you know, and so it, I think once you start, yeah, once you enter that world, you realise how much stuff there is. You know, you go to a charity shop and you think, wow, we never need to make cutlery ever again. There's enough cutlery in Australia to, you know, for everyone. Yes. And, you know, you just, start, and you know, the same with, you know, plates, glassware clothing probably um yeah it changes your mindset and i think i guess that's kind of the most important thing about thinking about our stuff and when you get rid of it like if you just put everything in a skip and it's gone i don't think you really have those lessons and you don't you just end up in the same situation in six months time or a year's time i think we need to yeah kind of just change our relationship with stuff i think Mm, fantastic well, Lindsay, uh, yeah, your book, Less Stuff by Lindsay Miles, is out now. And you can find out more about Lindsay at her website, treadingmyownpath.com. Uh, Lindsay, it's been so much fun to, to talk to you, and it's really challenged me, and I'm sure yeah. many of our <laughs> listeners this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.